Hello and good evening and welcome to another episode of Religions, Regimes and Refugees and their Multicultural Mess and Secular Scam. Thank you so much for joining me today again. I really hope you're having a great day. Um, today we're going to do something that is not historical but is geological. Um, in the scope of the earthquakes happening in Turkey, which we've been talking about non-stop because it's really, really drastic, uh, we wanted to talk about earthquake zones in India. The reason behind it is um, there was a there is a Dutch a seism- seismologist, uh, a scientist who predicted the earthquakes in Turkey three days before. Uh, one of the things he said. Uh, was that um, the next big earthquake is going to happen in India, near Haryana. He says it's not a matter of when it's going to happen, if it's going to happen. It's the, the, the question is, it is going to happen, but how big is it going to be? Because it's going to be even bigger. So we de- I decided we're going to talk about earthquake zones in India because we've never spoken about this. It is very important. And I ask you to please share this with your friends, your families, um, this podcast. Um, ask them to share it with five friends, ask them to share it with five friends, and so on and so forth, because we need to talk about seismic zones in India and how much this will affect us. So um, I went and did some little research, and I'm going to read you some stuff uh, from uh, godigit.com. That's godigit.com. So For those who don't know, 50% of India is prone to damaging earthquakes. Earthquakes occur in India majoritively fall under the category of high frequency, reaching up to 8.0, my friend. Uh, The northeastern zone and the Himalayan range are highly prone to great earthquakes that touch the magnitude of 8.0. Moreover, the count of moderate earthquakes is comparatively low. Um, So we're going to dwell into this. An earthquake is a phenomenon that involves shaking of the Earth's surface, which results from the release of energy accumulated in the lithospheric or crustal plates of the planet. So we are all tectonic plates. A plate is the Earth's crust um, and it moves. The, The Earth's crust is not stagnant, okay? It's continuously moving because the inner core of the Earth, the Earth is circumambulatory, and the inner core of the Earth's crust is also moving. And as it moves, um, very it's so microscopic you can't feel it, but it does. It it takes twenty five thousand nine hundred and twenty years to move. Three sixty, and as it's moving, the tectonic plates also move. It takes millions of years to move, uh, and these tectonic plates move anywhere from point six to three four degree uh, de- um, centimeters a year, um, and um. When these plates shift, they move. Uh, so we think that the uh, African plate was once part of the South American plate, and the subcontinent of India is uh, once part of the African plate, and it split off and it moved eastwards and then moved northwards and it banged against the Asian plate. And that's why you have the Himalayan mountain range. So what is the Himalayan mountain range? Um, it is the that part of 
of the earth that rose above the surface after the tectonic plate of the Indian subcontinent banged against the Asian plate. So that part of the earth that rose up and got crumpled is what we call the Himalayan mountain range. And that's why we have that range over there, because it's it's the... Um, it's the joint junction, it's the fault uh, of breaking the crust where the two tectonic plates banged against each other. Uh, that is very important for you to know. And that's why there's always friction. When two tectonic plates meet, there's always friction because there's a fault in the Earth's surface, in the crust. And each plate, the, the pressure of, of one plate pushing against the other, other and, 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 you know, f- scraping against one another produces this friction and energy and this energy then you know has to come to the surface uh and this uh surface is uh and that forms the earthquake now what is an earthquake um an earthquake is a phenomenon like i said of that involves shaking of the earth's surface which results from the release of energy accumulated in the lithospheric or crustal plates. The earth's surface or crust is divided into seven major plates. These plates are approximately 50 miles thick, which move slowly and consistently over other minor plates. Due to the sudden violent shaking of moving plates, earthquakes hit the topmost level of the earth, causing seismic waves. Um, So, Let's go to the different seismic zones in India. Individuals asking about how many seismic zones there are in India can get a complete knowledge uh, in this section. Um, India is divided into four seismic zones, also known as earthquake zones. And these seismic zones are formed on the basis of scientific inputs related uh, to the falling, the seism- seismicity or the frequency of the earthquakes in the region. Um, have the earthquakes hit this part of the country in the past? Um, and the four zones of the earthquake in India are the seismic zone uh, two. Uh, zone two is classified as low damage risk zone, that is, least seismically active zone, uh, meaning the areas that fall under these these zones in India have a low chance of having an earthquake. Uh, this zone covers earthquake prone areas, which are 41% of India. And here, the Indian standard, that's IS code, allots a zone factor of 0. 0.10. Okay, so we go to seismic zone number three. This zone is classified as a moderate damage zone. Here, the IS code allots 0.16 to this zone, um, and 30% of India falls under this zone. So we've covered now um, 70%, low and moderate. We go to zone four. Is It is considered a high damage risk zone. The IS code allots 0.24 to the zone. Moreover, 18% of the total area of India belongs to zone four. And zone five has the highest risk of damaging earthquakes. The IS code has assigned uh, a factor of 0.36 to this very high risk zone and 11% of India falls under this zone. Um, There are no cities in India which falls under seismic zone 1. So um, the 10 
earthquake-prone cities in India, um, and we're going to go to it, Guwahati uh, in As- uh, Assam, Srinagar, Mumbai, Pune, Kerala, Delhi, Chennai, Kochi, Trivantipuram, and Patna. Um, so the list of earthquake-prone zones in India okay, um, are... In Rajasthan, we have Ajmer, zone 2. I'm talking, let's start with zone 2. Rajasthan, Ajmer. Uh, Karnataka, we have Bangalore and Chitradurga. And Gulbarga, we have Jharkhand with Jamshedpur. Chhattisgarh, Bilai, uh, Jharkhand again, Ranchi. Uttar Pradesh has Allahabad. Uh, Andhra Pradesh has Kurnul, Vishakapatnam, uh, Hyderabad, Bhopal, Sir, um, Hyderabad. Those are the z- zone, these are zone two. In Madhya Pradesh, we have Bhopal and Sironj. In Rajasthan, we, again, we have Kota, Udaipur, Jaipur, Jodhpur. In Tamil Nadu, we have uh, Madurai, Tiruvannamalai, Tirupachali, Tanjavur, um, in Maharashtra, we have Nagpur, Pondicherry, in uh, Pondicherry, and Rurkela in Orissa. So that's zone two. We'll go to zone three. We have Agra, Bareilly, Chitradurga, Bareilly again, uh, Kanpur, Lucknow, Ajmer, Surat, Rajkot, Karakpur, uh, Vadodara, Asansol, Burdwan, Durgapur, Belgaon, Bijapur. Uh, Manglo, Dharavad, Karwar, Bat- Batinda, Patiala, Bhubaneswar, Katak, Kwambatur, Chennai, Kanchipuram, Kudalor, Dharmapuri, Salem, Jabalpur, Osmanabad, Thane, Solapur, Mumbai. Um, Mumbai is in zone t- 3. Uh, yes. Nagpur, Nasik, Goa, Velor, Vijaymada, Nelor, Tiruvanthapuram, and Gaya. That's zone three. This is a moderate zone. So let's go to the high zone. Um, zone four, we have Patna, Mongir, Baruni, Dehradun, Ruki, Filbit, Nanital, Almora, Amritsar, Ludhiana, Baraich, Bulshadar, uh, Bulandashadar, Moradabad, Gorakhpur, Gangtok, Darjeeling, Delhi, and Shimla. That's all zone four, my friends. And zone five, the highest zone, is Buj in Gujarat, Gawahati, Jorhat, Tezpur, Port Blair, Srinagar, Kohima, Mandi, Darbanga, and Imphal in Manipur. Now, I'm sure you, you recognize that there are some cities I've mentioned twice. Probably one part of the city is in one zone and the other part of the city is in another zone because we understand we are a big country. Um, now, so they, these are basically the zones that the country is under. There are four earthquake zones, and that is important to note. We've given you some areas some where the earthquake zone lies, and that is important to note. Um, we'll just go to something else over here. What, I- what are the Indian seismic uh, codes? Okay. So ground vibrations during earthquakes cause and force 
and forces the deformations in structures. Structures need to be designed to withstand such forces and deformations. Seismic codes help to improve the behavior of structures so that they may withstand the earthquake effects without significant loss of life and property. Countries around the world have procedures outlined in seismic codes to help design and engineers in the planning, designing, uh, and detailing and construction of structures. An earthquake-resistant building has four virtues, namely, one, good structure configuration, where its size, shape, and structural system carrying loads are such that they ensure a direct and smooth flow of inertia forces on the ground. Lateral strength, the maximum lateral force that it can resist is such that the damage induced in it does not result in collapse. Uh, adequate stiffness in its lateral load resisting system is such that the earthquake induced deformations in it do not damage its contents under low to moderate shaking. And good due Dutilicity, okay, its capacity to undergo large deformations under severe earthquakes, shaking even, even after yielding, it improved by favorable design detailing strategies. So the Indian seismic codes, uh, what are they? The Indian seismic codes are unique to a particular region uh, or country. There are. They take into account the local seismology, accepted level of seismic risk, building typologies, and material and methods used in construction. Furthermore, they indicate the level of progress a country has made in the field of earthquake engineering. The first not formal seismic code in India, namely the IS-1893, was published in 1962. Today, the Bureau of Indian Standards has the following seismic code. So, IS 1893, Part 1 in 2002, um, the IS 4326 in 1993, which was the Indian Standard Code for Practice of Earthquake Resistant Design and Construction of Buildings, second revision. There is the IS 13827 in also in 1993. Um, there was the there's another one in 1993, and there's IS-13920 in 1993 also. And we have another IS-13935 in 1993. So these, the regulations in these standards do not uh, ensure, sorry, I lost my page, uh, do not ensure that structures suffer no damage during the earthquake of all magnitudes, but to the extent possible, they ensure that the structures are able to respond to earthquake shakings of moderate intensities without structural damage of heavy intensities without total collapse. Uh, so the IS-1893 is the main code that provides seismic zone, uh, zonal maps and specific design forces of structure. The latter in turn depends on the properties of the seismic zone in which the structure lies. Importance of the structure is stiffness, the soil on which it rests, and its ducility. For example, a building in Budge will have 2.25 times the seismic design force of an identical bu building in Bombay. 
Similarly, the seismic uh, coefficient for a single-story building may have 2.5 times that of a 15-story building. Um, so basically, yes. Uh, in 2002, there was a revision, um, it, and the code contains provisions that are general in nature, and those applicable for buildings. The other four parts of the IS 1893 would cover liquid retaining tanks, both elevated and ground supported, bridges and retaining walls, industrial structures, including stack-like structures, dams and embankments. And the four documents are under preparation. In contrast, the 1984 edition of the IS 1893 had provisions for all the above structures in a single document. So they elaborated on it in 2002, uh, which is important because, you know, um, building codes always change. The seismic design of bridges in India is covered in three codes, namely IS 1893, um, of the 1984 edition, um, 2000, and 1964 from the Ministry of Railways. All high bridges are required to comply with the in IRC6 um, and all railway bridges with bridge rules. These three codes are conceptually the same, even though the, there are differences in their implementation. Um, after these, after the 2001 Butch earthquake in 2002, the IRC re released interim provisions that make significant improvements of the IRC 2000 in seismic provinces. Um, so the IRC 4326 covers general principles for earthquake-resistant buildings. Selections of material and special features of design and constructions are dealt with for following types of building. Timber constructions, masonry constructions using rectangular masonry units, building with prefabricated reinforced concrete roofing and flooring elements. There's another, um, the multiple other codes also, I'm not gonna go to all the codes, so basically, enclosure countries with a history of earthquakes have well-developed earthquake codes. Uh, thus, countries like Japan, New Zealand, the United States of America have detailed seismic code provisions. Development of building codes in India started rather late, sorry, started rather early. Today, India has a fairly good range of seismic codes covering a variety of structures ranging from mud or low strength masonry houses to modern buildings. However, the key ensuring the earthquake safety lies in having a robust mechanism that enforces and implements these design codes provisions in actual construction so that is a little write-up um talk on the uh, seismic codes in building because as we say earthquakes don't kill people buildings do buildings badly constructed so for your homework uh if you choose to spread this podcast to anyone and everyone you come across um at least five people and ask them to separate send it to five other people that's important and if you're living in a building 
do some research and find out if it meets the seismic codes, the earthquake codes. Because you never know when something's going to happen in your end. You better be safe than never. So do you have, does your building where you live in have a seismic code? Has it met the seismic codes? Ask about that and always keep an emergency bag ready. So there's always in your house, there should be an emergency bag with lights, um, you know, torches, uh, maybe copies of your bank accounts just in case, uh, copies of something, um, some, you know, money kept aside, um, some emergency food, uh, food um, clothes, uh, sanitary napkins, diapers for children if ever, coats if it's cold, blank, uh, uh, bl- uh, you know, raincoats. So that's important, keep an emergency uh, bag for each person. And I know it you know, people say, but that's too much. Well, guess what? It is too much and it's important that we follow it if we want to survive an earthquake. We have to learn from every junction in life, even if it doesn't happen to us. We can't start learning if something happens to us. We have to learn when the the currents are still forming the waves. That means other people going through stuff in life, we have to learn from them and make those junctions an intellectual laboratory. So when the wave comes to us, we are ready. We're not running helter and skelter. That's very important. So you could help the government Government, uh, and your local areas in case there is an earthquake by finding out right off the bat what is the earthquake zone in your area find out uh, if your building meets the earthquake uh, codes uh, thirdly keeping emergency um, emergency such uh, um, bags ready for you at any given time to take and leave in the case of a seismic earthquake and number four uh, get um, get your building people together or two, three building people, two or three buildings in your area and make an emergency um, uh, uh, plan in case of a seismic event, in case of some natural calamity, uh, you, everyone has to leave the building. Okay, uh, as soon as possible, if if possible, and meet at a particular predestined location. So you say, well, there's something that is um, close by. We'll make this a predestined um, area where we can go and meet in the case of an emergency. So if you're running helter skelter, just go over there, and then you can take account of who's missing, who's not. So a rendezvous point where a local shop or local school nearby, everyone has to meet there instead of running helter skelter. And uh, basically, that's it. So you have to practice this, uh, you know, um, emergency plan at least twice a year. And so you can be ready. If you're ready, you will help the government um, go to disaster management a lot better than if you're not. And if you're helter-skelter, you're not going to help anyone. You're going to be a hindrance. So you have to help the government by being ready yourself and, and not criticize the government because any disaster area, disaster uh, disaster event, there is no government in life can that can be perfect. In, in, and sometimes it's at such big scales, it cannot be perfect. So it it's important for you to contribute to this uh, to this. Uh, uh, event and uh, management and make sure you're part of the solution and not part of the problem and 
and there on and go on from there. Uh, so I let you go at that. I thank you so much for your time. Uh, I hope you spread this podcast to five people. Minimum, ask them to spread it to five people and ask them to spread it to five people. And on it, on it goes. And make sure you're ready for any calamity that happens in your home and in your area. And you will be a big help to the nation. So thank you very much for your time. You have yourself a great day and, I, and a great week ahead. Cheers.